In the 16th century, a man with a gold hooped earring and a little goatee picked up a quill and wrote some of the finest sonnets the world has ever seen. Five hundred, six hundred, five hundred years later, a man with nothing better to do sits down with a microphone and tries to work out what the hell that bloke was going on about. Welcome to the final couplet. Hello there, and welcome back to the final couplet. Here we are again, another week, another Shakespearean sonnet. And I'm really hoping it's better than last week's because, you know what, I finished last week's episode and I felt depressed because the sonnet was rubbish, I thought. Are you allowed to say that about Shakespeare's work? I don't know. I think he would be fine with me saying that. Because a lot of his poems are saying how bad he is at poetry. And I know we've established that that's sort of a faux humble thing because he's known as one of the greatest writers to ever walk the earth. But if he says that his writing's bad, then I can also say that. So I will. And Sonnet 31 wasn't his best. But as usual, that's just my opinion. And you might have heard Sonnet 31 and thought, that's my favourite one. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And the good thing is, I don't. So I welcome other opinions. And if you're a big fan of Sonnet 31, so be it. I'll let you. I don't agree with you, but I'll let you like it. And usually I say, if this is your first time dipping into the podcast, have a little listen back to maybe the previous episode to get an idea. But in this case, nah, don't bother. Don't worry about it. You can never read Sonnet 31 in your lifetime and you'll be fine. Anyway, enough slagging off Sonnet 31. Let's have a look at Sonnet 32, which I have had a little glance at and hey we're back baby i think uh it's it's better and it's a little return of the faux humble shakespeare or just humble shakespeare you decide anyway let's have a listen shall we sonnet 32 if thou survive my well contented day when that churl death my bones with dust shall cover and shout my fortune once more re-survey these poor rude lines of thy deceased lover, compare them with the bettering of the time, and though they be outstripped by every pen, reserve them for my love, not for their rhyme, exceeded by the height of happier men. Oh, then vouchsafe me but this loving thought, had my friend's muse grown with this growing age, a dearer birth than this his love had brought to march in ranks of better equipage. But since he died and poets better prove, theirs for their style I'll read, his for his love. Well, that's Sonnet 32, and for me, I think he's back to his best. 
There, I said it. I like this one. I think it's a return of Shakespeare's sort of humble, humble core writing or faux humble writing, whatever, whatever you wish to think of Shakespeare at this moment. I mean, I do personally think at this point, does he really think he's a bad writer? I don't believe that. I think he thinks he's bloody good, but he has to say, oh, I'm no, I'm no good. I'm not very good. But we all see past it. Maybe at the time they didn't. Maybe at the time they were going, oh, he's so humble. You know, it's like when you watch interviews on YouTube, on, on, on Vogue or something, and the actor comes across really humble and you go, oh, that person's great. They're just so down to earth, aren't they? They just stumbled into being a Hollywood actor. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's like that. The other thing that I wanted to quickly get across before diving into what this means line by line is that there is actually a poem within a poem. So that's nice. We've seen movies within movies and obviously that originated probably from Shakespeare's poem within a poem. There's a whole section that's in quotes. So that's exciting, but we'll get to that in our in our breakdown, but something to look forward to, I think. Anyway, Let's try and work out what the hell Shakespeare's going on about in Sonnet 32, line by line. So we start with, If thou survive my well-contented day, When that chill death my bones with dust shall cover. So he's saying to the recipient of this poem, If you outlive me, basically, If you live on after I'm all just bones that are covered in dust, then he continues with, and shout by fortune once more, resurvey these poor rude lines of thy deceased lover. And this is continuing the same thought. So when you've outlived me and I'm all, all bones and stuff uh, and you happen to read my poems again, then it continues. This is all one thought, but I thought I'd break it down. Compare them with the bettering of the time. And though they be outstripped by every pen, reserve them for my love, not for their rhyme, exceeded by the height of happier men. So, he's saying, if you live longer than me, and my bones are all dusty, and you happen to have a look at my poems again, no pressure, but if you, if you, if you happen to stumble across them, and you think, oh, those are not very good poems, those are pretty bad, badly written, by the man who loved you, aka me, William Shakespeare, remember this, that a lot of time has passed, all right, since I died, and people have got better at writing poetry. So you're thinking about my poem, obviously, I wrote this years ago, and now poets today are way better at writing. All right. And their poems are definitely going to be better than mine. But even though my poems, you know, are not as good as the ones that you'll see today, please keep them for the sake of love and not for my skill of writing, because you're going to find way better than mine. And, you know, I, I, I take the piss a bit and and say that Shakespeare was faux humble and knew he was a great writer. But maybe he did think that his poetry wouldn't age very well. 
Well, ho, 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 William Shakespeare, you couldn't be further from the truth with that. I mean, you're still being talked about on a podcast in 2023. And you thought your sonnets would go out of date not long after you died, probably, which is crazy to think about. So then he continues with, Oh, then vouchsafe me but this loving thought. Which just means, you know, when you're reading those poems, when I'm dead and stuff, think about this, have this thought. And this is when we dive into the poem within a poem. So this is all in quotations until the end now. Had my friend's muse grown with this growing age, a dearer birth than this his love had brought, to march in ranks of better equipage. So now we're in the voice of the recipient because Shakespeare is saying this is what you should be thinking when you read my poetry in the future when I'm dead, which is if my friend had the advantages that the poets now have in this modern day that I'm reading this, then he would have written better poems. All right. So just remember that. And he would be amongst the best. So it's just because he was writing back in the olden days, that's why it's bad. And now we're on to the final couplet. But since he died and poets better prove, theirs for their style I'll read, his for his love. So this is still in quotations. This is what the recipient of the poem should be thinking according to Shakespeare. But since he died, since Shakespeare died, and poets are better now in this day and age i'll read their poems those good poets those modern good poets for their style and and uh, writing ability and i'll read shakespeare's poems for his love and what i like about this is he did he said, oh, my writing, you know, you might look back on it and think this is pretty bad writing, actually. This is rubbish compared to the modern stuff. But he did make sure to 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 tell his friend that if he were writing in the modern day, then his writing would be considered the best of the best, the creme de la creme. So he's just saying my writing is a product of the time that I'm in. Not necessarily it's bad. It will just seem dated, basically. It's a bit like when you watch an old classic movie that everyone says is amazing and you think it's a bit dated and the writing's not actually that great. But what Shakespeare's saying is that if they wrote a movie in the modern day, it would be absolutely brilliant. So that's something to think about, isn't it? I think this has quickly become one of my favourite ones because Shakespeare's saying, look, my poetry might seem rubbish to you in the future, but it's only because I um, it, I wrote it ages ago, years ago. So obviously it's not going to seem as good to you. So he's basically putting out to the world that if you think his writing is bad, it's not actually bad. It's just because he wrote it ages ago back in the day. So you can now say that to anyone that says they don't like Shakespeare's work. 
you can say, well, he wrote it years ago and he actually admits that you might think it's bad now. But if he was writing now, if he was writing sort of movie scripts and stuff like that now, it'd be bloody amazing. So quickly before we move on, I'm just going to say if you're listening to this podcast after I've died um, and you think it's bad, that's only because uh, I wasn't doing it at the time that you're listening. So obviously there's loads of podcasters that you think are better than me. But if I was making this podcast at the time that you're listening in the future, it would be one of the best podcasts ever made. So that's something to remember. That's good to finally voice that, actually. Now, let's move on to our story. And if you're joining the podcast for the first time, I like to do a little story at the end of each episode and it sort of rolls on from the last one. So I'll quickly recap what happened in the last episode. So the shadowy figure that Shakespeare has been sending sonnets to for the last few episodes read Shakespeare's last sonnet and decided that they wanted to test Shakespeare. And if Shakespeare was really in love with them, by sending a really ugly person to meet up with Shakespeare instead of them. And if Shakespeare said, oh, no, I don't want to go out with you. Look at you. Horrible. Then the shadowy figure knows that Shakespeare isn't right for them. It's a very clever plan. Meanwhile, Shakespeare read his previous sonnet to his cat Percutio because he realised that he hadn't really been given the cat enough love recently. So we'll hear how that goes down with the cat. Right, I think that recaps everything that happened last episode. It's a very in-depth story, isn't it? I mean, it's very complicated and um, multi-layered so it is quite hard to just recap, you know, in, 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 a, in 30 seconds. But I gave it a good go. Anyway, let's find out what happens next. Shakespeare finished reading Sonnet 31 to his cat, Percutio. Percutio looked up at Shakespeare, a little tear in his eye, and said, Thanks, mate. I really appreciate that. And Shakespeare said, whoa, 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 what? And Percutio said, I mean, meow. And Shakespeare said, I'm sure I just heard you say something. And Percutio meowed again and purred and rubbed his little head against Shakespeare's chest. And Shakespeare sighed and thought, hmm. Must have been that big doobie that I smoked earlier. It can have that effect on me. But smoking the doobie is the only reason I can come up with crazy ideas like Midsummer Night's Dream. And all of that weird storyline with the fairies and, and the, the, the donkey head and everything like that. He felt pleased that he'd finally told Percutio how he felt about him. And Percutio seemed pleased to receive the sonnet. Shakespeare looked at his clock. Were clocks a thing then? I don't know. And he thought, oh God, oh no, I'm meant to be meeting the shadowy figure in the graveyard right now. 
So he quickly chucked Percutio off his lap and onto the floor. Percutio went, Oi! Bloody hell! And Shakespeare said, What was that? And Percutio meowed again and sauntered off into the next door room. Shakespeare quickly put on his garters and his hat with a feather in it and his nice little gold earring that he wore on special occasions and ran out of the house. He ran and he ran and he was sweating quite profusely at this point and thought, oh no, I'm going to look terrible for the shadowy figure. This is a nightmare. And also he didn't even have a present for the shadowy figure. What would they think of him? So as he ran, he thought, I know, I'll write another sonnet for the shadowy figure, but this time deliver it in person. They will love me forever if I do that. So as he ran, he quickly scrawled Sonnet 32 on a piece of paper. It was barely legible, but he thought he could just improv around it if he got lost. Eventually, he arrived at the graveyard. The one graveyard in London. You know the one. He straightened his clothing and roughed his ruff, opened the big iron gates, and walked in. There was one figure standing in the graveyard. They were slightly hunched over, and wore a long, dark coat. Shakespeare's heart fluttered, and thought, could this be the shadowy figure? He looked for the telltale sign that the shadowy figure had given him, arose behind the left ear, and sure enough, there it was, a red rose glistening in the moonlight behind this mystery figure's ear. Shakespeare went up to the mystery figure and tapped them on the shoulder and said, It's me, the sonnet writer. The mystery figure turned their head slightly and went, Hey! And Shakespeare said, it's me, the sonnet writer. And the mystery figure said, hey, you're going to have to speak louder. I can't hear what you're saying. And Shakespeare said, it's me, the sonnet writer. And the mystery figure turned round to face Shakespeare. He was a small man in his 80s with thinning hair black teeth, wet, wet lips, and a look that could only be described as ugly. Shakespeare caught the face in the moonlight and grimaced. He thought, good God, this is quite honestly one of the ugliest people I've ever seen, and not at all how I pictured them looking in my head. But somehow... I think I still love them. The mystery figure said, You all right? And Shakespeare said, Ah, uh, yes, I've, I've been waiting to meet you. Uh, and I'm, 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 I'm honoured to, to finally see your uh, be- uh, be- beautiful fa- face. And the mystery figure said, Hey? And Shakespeare said, I'm I'm honoured to see your beautiful face. And the mystery figure said, oh yeah, oh yeah, I've heard that one before. 
And Shakespeare says, um, if you don't mind, I've, I've written a, a little sonnet as a, as a present for you. And the mystery figure said, hey, a sonnet, what's that then? And Shakespeare said, it's a type of poem, uh, really. Uh, you know, you, you write as well, don't you? And the mystery figure said, hey, say it again. And Shakespeare said, don't, don't worry, I'll, I'll just read you this now if you don't mind. And the mystery figure said, yeah, go on then. I don't have long though. Shakespeare wondered why the mystery figure didn't have long, but thought, oh well, I'll just read the sonnet anyway. He retrieved sonnet 32 from his back pocket and read, sonnet 32. If you outlive me, after my bones get all dusty, and you read my poems again, these badly written, shitty little poems by your dead lover, remember that they were only bad because they were old. Even though any poet today could write better than I did, keep my poems for the sake of love rather than my skill, which has been far exceeded by other poets. And allow me this loving thought. If my mate had been writing poetry today, his poems would have been way better and would rank alongside today's best poets. But since he died and poets are better now, I'll read other poets' work for their style and his for his love. Well, 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 the plot thickens. The shadowy figure has sent along their ugliest friend and Shakespeare is slightly confused but seems maybe in love. Still, I don't know. We'll have to wait for next week to find out more. Until then, bye!